Alrighty. Welcome well, to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Almo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Great. It's good to be here in church. For those of you who are in and around school, I hope you guys are having a good break, good holidays, taking a moment to rest or take a Sabbath like what Jace was speaking about um, last week. Good job on getting here this morning. Now, we might be smaller in number today, but our God is still a faithful Father, right? He's still going to challenge and encourage us today as well. And so good job for being here. It's a beautiful day, um, but we're here together celebrating what God is doing in us as a church. And so good job. I'm glad that you're here today. Glad that we're in church. It is good to be in church. And so if you've been here over the last couple of weeks, you'd know that we're in the middle of this series called The Rhythms of Grace. And what we've been doing, we've been unpacking these rhythms that God has built into our lives and exploring how we're supposed to surrender to those rhythms. And so two weeks ago, Andrew came and spoke to us. He spoke to us about this concept of creating a simple life. You know, how can we create simplicity in the way that we relate with others, in the way that we relate to God? How can we declutter not just our houses and our physical items, but also our minds and our spirits and our emotions? What does it look like to be simple? Right? And Andrew spoke to us about that. Last week, Jason came and spoke to us about the Sabbath. Now, what does it look like for us to have healthy rest? And what does it look like for us to do that well? It was a fantastic message. And so let me encourage you, if you weren't here last Sunday, jump online, have a listen to that message. It was actually a really interesting challenge in there for spouses around the Sabbath. Okay, So if you haven't listened to it, make sure you listen to it. It was about sex, okay? But it was a good challenge. It was a good message, definitely worth a listen. You know, as we've been planning, as we've been forming this series over the last couple of months, I've just been reflecting on my own personal rhythms of grace, my own spiritual disciplines, and reflecting how they've changed for me over the years. And I've got to be honest, as I've been sitting with this series, personally, I've felt a little bit convicted. I've felt personally challenged myself. You know, when I was younger, when I was in high school, I was still living at home, I was a part of the youth ministry, you know, I was serving at church on a Sunday morning as well, and so as part of that, I had these people in my life who were regularly encouraging me to practice these spiritual rhythms, right? To practice these spiritual disciplines. Weekly, I'd have my parents, mentors, youth leaders drumming into me the importance of them, you know, making sure that I was doing my quiet time, that I was spending time with God and reading my Bible before school, doing journaling, all this, all of this sort of stuff. And so I had these people weekly drumming into me the importance of spiritual disciplines, And so for seasons, I was really good, right? I was really intentional. I was really disciplined in what it looked like for me to keep these spiritual rhythms in my life. But as any other teenager, I also went through seasons where just I couldn't be bothered, you know? It was hard enough to get out of bed as it was, and so I couldn't be bothered to actually open my Bible and read it. But I had people in my life who would challenge me regularly enough so that it was like this balance, right? I was intentional. I couldn't be bothered. I was intentional. I couldn't be bothered. And that's what it looked like for me in that life stage. And Then I moved out of home, we moved cities, we came down here, all of a sudden I didn't have those people in my life encouraging me weekly, drumming into me the importance of um, spiritual rhythms and you know I was pretty busy doing half a day of uni each week, it was pretty busy and you know I just became, I just got a little bit slack, I didn't really have the time, I didn't have the motivation to get on top of the spiritual disciplines but as often happens in life I got a little bit older I started to mature a little bit more. I started to understand a little bit more about myself, like what makes me tick, what can I relate to, what gets me motivated, what works for me, what doesn't. And then at church, we probably did a series similar to this, unpacking spiritual rhythms. And 
And that's when I came to this realization at that, at that point in my life that actually God has created each of us individually, right? We're both, we're each uniquely and wonderfully made. And then surely out of that, we each have our individual ways that we relate to God. We relate to God in different ways. So I began to unpack that myself for a little bit. You know, I realized that I encountered God in a real powerful way uh, during worship and during singing. There's something about my love and my desire for music and my passion for music that opens up my heart and my mind to be able to focus on God and be present with Him. Now, in that time, I realized that I really struggle to sit still and just read my Bible. If I'm doing that, I can't process it. But what I learned is that if I listen to it, I can process it a whole lot better so I could listen to the Bible in my car while I was exercising, while I was doing anything that was keeping my body moving. It helped me to actually focus and unpack and realize what the Bible was speaking to me, right? I found new rhythms and rhythms that worked for me and, and that was important. But you know, life, like life does, somehow I just kept getting busier. You know, I went from half a day a week at uni to one day a week at uni. I got a job, I started working full-time, that made me a whole lot more busier. You know, in the midst of that, I got married as well. That made me busier, especially on the Sabbath, you know. And so I, I, finished, I finished uni, actually, and I thought to myself, you know what, I really hated uni, so I'm going to go study that again. So I started studying it again, but this time I was still working, so I was busier again. A couple of years ago, Sophie and I decided we wanted to start a family, so we had our little daughter Zoe. I got busier yet again. In a couple of months, we're going to have another child, and if the first one is anything to go off, I'm going to get busier again. That's how it is, right? Life goes on. It feels like you just start to carry more and more things. And so the internal dialogue I began to have with myself is that spiritual disciplines and spiritual rhythms are unique. So find what's going to work for you in whatever life stage you are in. And that's true, right? My days look drastically different now than they did when I was 18. And they're going to look drastically different again when I'm 40. They're going to look different again when I'm 60, when I'm 80. And so my spiritual rhythms are going to develop with each stage of my life, right? They're going to evolve. But what I've discovered in myself as we've been leading into this series is that perhaps I've used that as a bit of an excuse in my own life. Now, in the times I used to spend with God, I now have someone demanding food or I now have someone demanding attention. I've got a lot more things going on in my life. And so it's easy to say that I'll get back to my spiritual rhythms once this stage of life is over and everything settles down. You know, I've been telling myself that same story right from when I went from half a day of uni to a full day of uni. It's the same story. And, and for me, and I'm going to imagine for a bunch of us here this morning as well, life doesn't seem to slow down. At, at least it doesn't for long. And there's things that we can do to ha- make it slow down. We can find rest in the midst of it. And you know, that's what Jace was talking to us about last week. But what I've been challenged on is that even in the midst of what sometimes feels like a busy and a chaotic life, my spiritual rhythms are still important. And I can't just wait for this stage of life to be over and address it. I actually need to do something about it now. That's why I think this series, come, this series has come at a really good time for us, and at least it has for me. You know, it's important to find spiritual rhythms that will work in your season of life, but you can't let your season of life be an excuse to stop you from finding them. Yeah? Cool, that got a lot deeper and a lot more challenging a bit quicker than I anticipated, but it's a good challenge for us, okay? It's a good challenge. We should be unpacking what these rhythms of grace look like for us, and as we continue this series, I I pray that you're finding that same challenge. You're trying to figure out how you can make these rhythms of grace work for your life, and so we're going to continue this series this morning. What I want to talk to us about today is our rhythm of prayer. How can we make prayer 
a regular part of our rhythm of our life? How can we make it a part of our schedule? How can we prioritize it above other things? And I actually want us to start off with a little poll here this morning to hopefully get some of the guilt and some of the shame out of what it looks like to pray. So can you put up your hand for me if you've ever said a prayer before? All right, if you've ever said a prayer, put up your hand. Fantastic. Now I want you to keep that hand up. Keep it up. And I want you to keep that hand up if you've ever actually struggled to pray a prayer before as well, if it's ever been a struggle for you. Like everyone, right? Okay, you can put your hands down. I think that's important to note. I'm glad that worked out well. I've been quizzing some people in the last couple of weeks about those two questions. Have you prayed before? Yes. Have you found it difficult? Yes. It's mostly always the answer, right? But everyone's prayed. You know, it, it's, it actually feels like there's something embedded inside of us that draws us to pray, that makes us look up to something um, and pray to that. You know, whether you're a Christian, whether you follow another religion, whether you have no faith, I'm willing to bet that there's been a time in your life when you've been brought to your knees in prayer and you shoot up a prayer into, into the sky hoping that someone is going to hear it, hoping that someone's going to answer it for you. There's something embedded inside of us that longs to pray. And, and more than that, Jesus actually encourages us and he commands us to pray as well. He says that prayer is a powerful and an effective tool. Okay, so there's something inside of us that longs to pray, and Jesus has told us that it's actually a really powerful and effective tool, so why then do we often find it hard? And why is prayer so difficult at times? What stops us from praying? Now, perhaps it's because we don't see our own needs at that moment, right? If you have a desperate need, there's something about that that, 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 that makes it easier for us to turn to God in desperation and prayer. And Obviously, that's not always the case. How often do we try and fix our needs in our own strength instead of giving it to God in prayer? And you know, it's not bad to fix your things yourself. You often need to. But what we forget to do is we forget to surrender our needs to God and seek Him first and allow Him to work through us. And so sometimes I think because we fix it ourselves, because we rush the process, we actually miss out on these awesome experiences, these awesome opportunities that God has in store for us because we don't surrender them to God. We rush to fix it ourselves. That being said, when we desperately need something, it prompts us to prayer. And so if we don't feel like we need anything, that prompt for prayer doesn't exist, right? So maybe that's why sometimes we find it hard to pray. Or perhaps we find it difficult to pray because on a surface level, it just feels really weird talking to yourself or speaking to this being that you can't see, right? It's hard to have a conversation with something or someone that's not visible or something that might not be audibly responding to you. Even if that's not quite the reason for you, I actually think there's this warped perspective of prayer that we sometimes fall into. You know, it can be easy to picture ourselves in the midst of everything going on in our lives, everything going on around us in the busyness of life, in the chaos that is family and school and, and work. And so we, we, we've got all these thoughts going on in our mind and it's in that moment, in that busyness, in that chaos that we shoot up a little prayer into the abyss thinking that so hopefully, hopefully someone will hear it. And we, we kind of picture God being bogged down by all that same busyness as us as well. Now we shoot up this prayer not expecting a response, not giving time for a response in the hope that God will have time to hear it and answer it. You know, sometimes I reckon we picture this, this, this image of God just receiving these short little prayers from billions of people all around the world. And you know, we pray that prayer in business. We don't have time for that prayer. Surely God doesn't have time for it either. And we picture our prayers getting lost in God's business like they're lost in ours. And subconsciously, we begin to build this warped view of prayer instead of viewing it for the incredibly intimate act that it is. 
Or maybe we find prayer hard because we don't know how to pray, right? We don't feel equipped to pray. We've heard other people pray and they use these big words and we don't feel like we can use words like thou, thee, art, or hallowed, right? They're, they're complicated words and so maybe we don't feel equipped to pray. You know, maybe you're just too busy in life and so you feel like you don't have the time to pray. But when we don't pray, we miss this incredible gift that, has, that God has given to us. Your prayer is important. And Jesus, right, Jesus being God, still found time in his life and prioritized prayer because he knew that it was important. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus turning to prayer and, and he's doing it all the time, right? Jesus prayed before meals all the time. He said grace. And so in our household, we try and say grace. We say the same grace every single night. Dear Lord, thank you for our food, friends, and family. Amen. In the hopes that it's going to build this spiritual rhythm in Zoe, right? She's got no clue what she's saying. She can, can't say most of the words, but God prayed, Jesus prayed rather, and so we're going to pray as well. Right? He prayed for grace. He spent all night praying the night before he picked his disciples. Yeah? He prayed when he was baptized. He prayed when he was in the desert um, being tempted. He prayed in the garden. There's so many times in the Bible that we see God praying. He was praying, oh, Jesus praying. He was praying all of the time, and yet he was still God. You know, prayer is an important part of our life. Jesus saw the importance of prayer and made it a priority in his life. And he tells us to make it a priority in our life as well. And so what I want to do today is I want to read us the instructions that Jesus has given us on how to pray. So if you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you turn with me to Matthew 6. We're going to be starting at verse 5. And we see in, in, in this version of Matthew, Jesus is in the middle of the Sermon of the Mount, Right? He's had a large crowd gathering around him. He's walked up the mountainside and he begins to teach him. And it's this incredible message. He covers so many things. I'm sure it went for absolutely ages. But in the midst of talking about the law and talking about money and the Beatitudes, adultery, all these different things, generosity, Jesus also taught the crowd how to pray, how it is that they should become before God and pray. And so he says in Matthew 6, And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. And so as I've been reading this scripture, what I've loved about it is just how practical Jesus gets about it, right? He, at the same time, He's telling off the religious leaders of the time, but He's also teaching and equipping everyone on what it looks like to relate to God what it looks like for them to pray, how they, how they should do it. He's showing them how to pray. And, and if we keep reading, he actually gets even more practical and he demonstrates how to pray as well, right? That's where we see the, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's account. And we could go into that. We could grab a lot of stuff out of that about what it looks like to pray. But we did a series on that a, a couple of years ago or a year ago or so. So mate, you can jump online and listen to that. What I want us to do today is just spend some time in these instructions that Jesus gives to the people, because I think there's some things in here that God is wanting to reveal and draw our attention to this morning. And the first is really simple. The first is, is that prayer is sacred. Right? You know, prayer is supposed to be sacred. And sacred can sometimes feel like this weird Christianese sort of word. We say it in church, we don't really know what it means. But really simply put, sacred just means that something is dedicated or set apart for God. Right? It's got a similar meaning. To, 
to holy. Sacred and holy, they're very similar words, but sacred starts with an S, and you're going to see that ties in a little bit later to my message. So we're going to use sacred, but it's kind of interchangeable with holy, okay? Sacred and holy. And so prayer is this thing that we dedicate to God. It's special. It's sacred. It's holy. And so when I think of sacred prayers, when I think of what a sacred prayer should look like, to me, it's this desire to give yourself wholly to God, to dedicate your life and to get, dedicate yourself wholly to God, to give all of yourself to God in prayer, to hold nothing back to Him, to be completely surrendered to Him in prayer. Now, wholly giving yourself to God is holy. And that's what I've got on the screen. I know that can sound confusing audibly. English is a silly language sometimes. But wholly giving yourself to God is holy. And when you surrender your life to God in prayer, it becomes holy. That's how it's supposed to be. Prayer is supposed to be holy. It's supposed to be sacred. And so this surrender of your life in prayer is actually an attitude of your heart. It's a posture of your heart in the way that you come before God. Now, I said it before, but so often I reckon we try and fix our own issues. We try and meet our own needs, and we don't actually even invite God into the equation. We don't seek Him first. But it's out, of that, it's out of that posture of a sacred prayer, it's out of that posture of our heart that says in the midst of everything going on in life, I'm going to surrender to God. You know, sacred prayer is a posture of the heart. It's a posture of the heart. We surrender everything to God and then sometimes we will go on and we'll fix our own problems ourselves, but it's th that important act of surrendering to God first. Something happens in that moment of surrender where God aligns our hearts with His. He brings a new perspective. He brings a new sense of peace in the midst of everything else going on. Now, prayer is supposed to be sacred. It's us dedicating ourselves to God and it's for God alone, Right? It's for God alone. Jesus says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. See, prayer doesn't need to be for anyone else but you and God. You can pray for other people. It's good to pray for other people and pray with other people, but we don't pray to impress other people. Right, that defiles this idea of sacred prayer. It's a surrendering of yourself wholly to God in prayer. That's what makes it sacred. That's what makes it holy. And, and so how are you going to keep it holy? How are you going to keep your prayer life holy? How are you living a life surrendered to God in prayer? I think some of us this morning need to be reminded that prayer isn't this performance thing. It's not about trying to impress other people, it's not trying to prove anything and vice versa. Prayer isn't something that we need to be embarrassed about. It's not something that we need to be shy or self-conscious of either because prayer is just between you and God. Right? Prayer is between you and God. And that leads me on to the second thing that I reckon God is wanting to draw out of this scripture for us this morning. And it's this, it's this idea, this concept of secret prayer. Right? There's the other S, secret prayer. And there's an element of secrecy to our prayer life, and I know that can kind of sound weird, right? We're not supposed to keep secrets. We're not supposed to be secret, but prayer is sometimes secret. And of course, you know, there's space for corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is important. It's good to pray with other people. It's good to pray for other people, but not at the expense of your own personal prayer life with God. And when it comes to our own spiritual rhythms, we already know that prayer is sacred. But where sacred prayer is this thing that comes from the heart, secret prayer is something that comes from the place, right? It comes from where we are. Prayer is supposed to be secret in its purest form. It's intimate. The intimacy of prayer is for you and God. 
There's stuff that happens in that space that's just for the two of you. It's just between you and God. You know, Sophie and I, we were at a wedding just this last week. And how good are weddings, all right? You get to dress up. You get to pretend to be fancy. We know we're not fancy, but we like to pretend to be fancy. So we get to celebrate. We dress up. You get to see people that you haven't seen for a long time. There's generally food. Food is always a plus. But, you know, weddings, they're a celebration of marriage, right? They're a celebration of this covenant relationship between two people to the exclusion of all others. In a marriage, community is still important. You still need people in your life other than your spouse, people who are going to support you, encourage you, challenge you. It's important. But there's still something, there's still some things that you're only ever going to share with your spouse, right? That's how it's supposed to be. That's what marriage is designed for. And so similarly, when it comes to the rhythms of your prayer life, there are aspects of that that are only supposed to be between you and God. Prayer is supposed to be intimate. And Jesus says, you should go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And secret prayer is important. But man, it can be hard to prioritize in our lives sometimes. It can be hard to prioritize in the business of life. Like how often do you actually feel that you don't even have enough time for yourself, right? You have those showers and you're like, oh, finally, this is my only moment of peace Today, how often do we feel like that? Sometimes a secret prayer life can just seem like this other thing that we've got to add to our to-do list. This rhythm of prayer is this one more thing that we've got to check off. It's just one more thing that we've got to fit into our day. But you know, it's actually out of that secret prayer life that we see God start to flourish in our lives. Now it says he sees what is done in secret and he will reward you. You know, the simple act of prayer, it actually changes us. When you choose to spend those moments with God, it changes us. It transforms us. I came across this quote recently. It's going to be up on the screen. I want to read it out to us. It says, To pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue that God uses to transform us. The closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we see our need and the more we desire to be conformed to Christ. You see, it's in the secret place of prayer that God aligns our hearts with His. He brings everything into perspective for us. And when we can't see a way forward, God prayer builds a strength and foundation for our faith. And so in the busyness of your life, how can you be creating space for this intimacy with God? How can you be creating space for the power and the transformation that is found in prayer? And maybe you need to allow yourself the space for prayer. Maybe you need to get rid of the fear of always moving forward every second and actually just create space to sit and rest with God. Forget about productivity for five minutes. Right? Surely God's got it. You can spare five minutes. So the last thing I think that God has wanted to draw our attention to today out of this scripture is this concept that prayer is supposed to be simple. Right? That prayer is simple. Prayer isn't a theatrical performance. You're not performing for anyone. You know, Jesus actually said, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. And simple prayers are all that we need to bring before God. Prayer isn't a tool used to demonstrate our eloquence 
Like prayer isn't something to help us prove that we're good Christians. Prayer isn't a comparison tool. It's not a measuring stick. It's a way for us to communicate with God. And He doesn't need anything special from you, right? As long as it's honest, as long as it's from the heart, He doesn't need anything special. That's what prayer is supposed to look like. You know, when I think of what simple prayer could look like, I'm just reminded of the way that Zoe, our, our two-year-old daughter, talks to me. Right? She uses words that no one in their right mind would understand except for me and Soph. Like, have you ever watched a, a parent have a conversation with their two-year-old? It's bonkers, right? It sounds like absolute gibberish. There's no way to understand what that kid is saying, but somehow the parent is tracking along with it. They're responding. They're talking. There's like cohesion in what's going on. No one outside has any idea what they're talking about, but they do. Right, just, just recently I watched, uh, Zoe's learnt this new word called ko-la-la-la-la. Ko-la-la-la-la. Anyone have a guess what ko-la-la-la-la means? No, coca melon. Liv got it. You could be a parent. Come on, Liv. We had no idea what it means. And Alex and Cody were looking after Zoe the other day and she's saying ko-la-la-la-la, ko-la-la-la-la. And they're like, what on earth are you saying? But Sophie and I figured it out, right? Because we know her a little bit more than they do. Cody's probably more a favorite than myself but we know Zoe right I, I know her well I know her intimately when she says stuff it's not necessarily the words that she's saying that helps me understand but it's just her being it's her emotions it's the expression on her face and I don't want to sell her short she's doing great she's learning words she's crushing it but the reality is, is I don't need her to speak in full sentences for me to understand what she's trying to say she can say cola la 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 and I know what she means Right? And it's the same when it comes to God. Our prayers don't need to be complex. They can be silent, right? They can be thoughts. They can be a couple of words. They don't need to be extravagant. They just need to be simple. He knows your heart's desire. And so prayer should be simple. It's not a performance. You're not trying to impress anybody. Prayer is simple. And so don't overcomplicate it, right? You don't need to overcomplicate what it looks like. Prayer is sacred, it's secret, and it's simple. I think that's what God's wanting us to draw out of this scripture this morning, that it's sacred, secret, and simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate it. That's our tendency, right? We tend to overcomplicate everything in our lives. So how do you keep it straightforward? How do you make it a part of your daily rhythm? You know, the trap is to tell yourself that in this season of life, a regular rhythm of prayer is just not going to be attainable. It's just not going to be possible. You know, it's probably going to look different for each person in this room. Some of you might have 30 minutes, an hour that you can spend a day spending time in secret, sacred, simple prayer. But others of you, that prayer might just look like having a short five-minute prayer as you're making coffee in this morning. It might be praying in the shower. It might be praying while your kids are eating breakfast next to you. Like it's going to look different for each one of us today. But don't let your stage of life be an excuse. Now, it's a balancing act that each of us have got to work out for yourselves, for ourselves. I can't work it out for you. Only you can. But don't let your stage of life be an excuse to let it slide. You know, we've, got, we've each got rhythms in our own lives, rhythms that we follow. We've got our own practices. And so maybe your challenge today is that the priorities of your practices might be wrong. Is your morning so full that you don't have time for prayer? Do you find yourself watching TV right up or the latest show or the latest movie right up until you need to go to sleep at night? And sometimes we actually just have to change our schedule. We have to reprioritize what is important. 
Now, can you cut five minutes out of something else in your day and dedicate that to spending time with God daily? Five minutes, right? I think that's achievable. That's a baseline. I think that's achievable. We can do that. It doesn't have to be long. Don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. As we wrap up this morning, I actually want to close this message a little bit different to how we normally would. I actually want us to experience together what a simple rhythm of prayer could look like for each of us. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read that scripture that I read at the beginning again. But this time I'm going to read it in the message paraphrasing. And when I'm done reading, I'm just going to leave space for us to wait on God, okay? Nothing crazy, nothing special about it. I'm just going to leave space for us to wait on God, to realign your hearts with God. You know, we don't pray because we hope to change God's heart on something. We pray because we know that it realigns our hearts with His. And so maybe in that moment, He'll prompt you to think of something. Maybe He'll prompt you to pray for something or pray for someone. Maybe He'll reveal something out of this scripture in a whole new light for you. I don't know what God is going to do for you this morning, but I do know that He is with us. I know that powerful things happen that when we wait on Him. So the band are going to continue to play. They might sing as well. If you want, you can join along in a moment. But just take this moment to open your heart to God. Open your mind to what He might be wanting to do in it. Ask Him, what are you wanting to turn my heart to? What are you wanting me to pray? What are you speaking to me? And so maybe as I read this, you might want to close your eyes. Sometimes that helps us just to get rid of distractions. But close your eyes, open your hearts, open your minds to what God might be wanting to say to you. I'm going to read this, then we'll spend a moment just waiting on God. It says in Matthew 6, And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. The world is so, is so full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas, of programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father who you are dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. That's going to give us a moment right now to sit and wait in his presence as the band plays. So open your heart to what God might be wanting to say to you right now. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we would love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au. 